Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. Periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, please make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back to another edition of Child Talk. I hope that you had an amazing week. Do you remember last week we learned about the first prophet that God sent to Israel and Judah? His name was Elijah. The kings who were ruling the people were wicked. Do you remember we learned that these bad kings caused the people to worship false gods? Only the Lord our God deserves to be worshipped. False worship is anything that turns our hearts away from God, like what we do for fun, bad attitudes, wanting more toys, bad relationships, places, or habits. The prophet Elijah was focused and committed to God. Elijah was sent by God to confront, not comfort, the king for turning away his people. Ultimately, in a showdown at the altars, the false worshipers said their gods would light the fire of sacrifice, proving they were the winners and right with God. However, Elijah knew better that the one true God would come through, proving he was who he said he was. Elijah had his sacrificial offering placed upon the altar and covered it in water multiple times. The wood should have never ignited a flame. Yet God is in the supernatural. Elijah and God proved who the true God was. God had Elijah kill all the false prophets of Baal. When the wicked king's wife, the queen, learned what had happened, she was very angry. She sent word for Elijah, saying if by the same time the next day he was not dead, she would kill herself. So Queen Jezebel retaliated by threatening Elijah's life. He was scared, so he ran away. He felt afraid, depressed, and abandoned. Despite God's provision of both food and shelter in the wilderness, Elijah wanted to give up and die. God presented Elijah with a message that he needed to hear. God sent a windstorm and an earthquake and a fire, but God was not in any of these messages. Do you remember from last week where God was waiting to talk with Elijah? We said that God is a perfect gentleman who is present in the still small voice or the whispers of the heart. Elijah, like other people, struggled with his feelings. You know, our feelings are fickle. They show up and then they leave. Our feelings stem from our minds. Think of your brain or your mind like the computer of your body. When we input good calculations, good results are returned. Or when we eat healthy foods versus only eating dessert, we have better outcomes. We can start each morning inputting healthy thoughts into our minds. If you have a negative thought, just tell yourself, not that thought. This is what God did with Elijah. 
He would comfort Elijah and get him to take action. God told him what to do next. He went on to tell him that part of the reason that he felt lonely was based on his own ignorance. He thought he was the only prophet left in all of Israel. God let him know that there were still thousands of others who were still faithful to God. Even today, God is still gentle and speaks through the obvious to us. He isn't flashy or showy for people to brag about. God has work for each of his believers to do, even when we may feel afraid. The awesome thing about God is that he has more people and resources lined up than we know about. Instead of wishing to do amazing miracles for God, we would be well served to develop a close, intimate relationship with God. That in and of itself is the miracle. What were some of Elijah's strengths and accomplishments? He was the most famous and dramatic of Israel's prophets. He alone predicted the beginning and the ending of a three-year drought in Israel. He brought a dead child back to life. He was God's representative against the false prophets of Baal. He was part of the transfiguration along with Jesus and Moses. We must remember not to look for God in the chaos of the noise, but instead in the small, gentle whispers. And you want to learn what an acronym for chaos is? It stands for Christ has all our solutions. Do you understand how that works? An acronym C-H-A-O-S, chaos. Christ has all our solutions. God was the entire universe for his benefit. God uses, excuse me, the entire universe for his benefit. The psalmist lyric portrays a God who brings order out of chaos and can turn destructive forces into instruments of his mercy. When Elijah was taken to heaven, he rode upon his chariot, which was transported by the winds. The clouds were used by God to offer protection to the Israelites as a pillar of cloud. Let's read now our final three short stories about the prophet Elijah. The first story is called Another War. King Benadad of Syria now summoned his army and went to fight against the city of Samaria, where King Ahab of Israel lived. He sent messengers to Ahab to tell him, Your silver and gold, your wives and children, all are mine. Ahab was frightened and said, All right, he would give them all to Benadad. Then Benadad sent another message. Tomorrow I will send my men to search your castle and bring me anything they choose. Then Ahab called for all the leaders of Israel and told them what Benadad had said. The leaders told Ahab not to let Benadad walk all over him like that, so Ahab refused to surrender. When Benadad heard his reply, he sent back a message to Ahab warning him that his great army could easily capture the city. Oh, Ahab replied, don't fool yourself. This made Benadad very angry, and he sent word to his soldiers, get ready for battle. But the Lord sent a prophet to Ahab who told him not to be afraid, but to go out and fight the army of Benadad. Benadad and his captains were having a drinking party in their tents when Ahab and his little army arrived. 
The huge Syrian army was taken by surprise and ran for their lives in great panic. When Benadad saw what was happening, he jumped on a horse and got away. Then the prophet came to Ahab again and told him that Benadad and his army would come back again next year. What the prophet said proved true, for Benadad's advisors persuaded him to gather together another army as great as the first one, and they came up and spread over the whole country. In comparison, the tiny Israeli army seemed like two little flocks of baby goats. There were so few of them, and they were so helpless and weak. After seven days, the battle began, and the Lord gave Israel another mighty victory, for they destroyed 100,000 of the Syrians. The rest escaped to the city of Aphek, and there a great wall fell down and killed many more. But Benadad fled into the city and hid. Benadad's men came to him with the suggestion that he throw himself upon the mercy of King Ahab. We have heard, they said, that the kings of Israel are merciful. We will dress in burlap to show that we are sorry and go to the king of Israel and ask him to save your life. Perhaps he will let you live. So they put on clothes made from old sacks to show their humility and came to Ahab and said, Your servant, Benadad, begs, please let me live. Wasn't he killed in the battle? Ahab asked. When he heard he was still alive, he told them to go and bring him. When Benadad arrived, Ahab let him ride with him in his chariot as though they were friends. Then Benadad promised to give Ahab some of his cities, so Ahab allowed him to return again to his own land. But God was angry with Ahab for doing this. He had given Ahab the victory over Benadad so that Ahab could put him to death. Now God sent a prophet to Ahab who said, Because you've let this man go, you must die instead of him. Soon afterwards, Ahab wanted to buy the vineyard of a man named Naboth because it was near his palace. I'll give you a better vineyard for it, he said, or I'll pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth didn't want to sell his vineyard. It had belonged to his father, and he wanted to keep it. So he refused to sell it. Ahab returned home angry and unhappy and lay down and sulked and refused to eat. When King Jezebel, excuse me, Queen Jezebel came home, she asked, what's the trouble? Why so sad? Because Naboth won't sell me his farm, Ahab replied. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and be happy. I will give you the farm. Then she wrote letters and signed them with Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders of the city of Jezreel, where Naboth lived. In the letters, she told them to find some bad men who would tell lies about Naboth and say that they heard him speak evil of God and the king. The elders did as Queen Jezebel commanded. They found two men who, of course, lied about him. Anyone who spoke against God should be stoned. Naboth had not done that terrible deed, but the bad men lied and said that he had. So the people took Naboth out of the city and threw stones at him until he died. And the dogs came and licked up his blood. Then they sent a message to Jezebel, Naboth is dead. When Jezebel heard it, she said to Ahab, 
Go and take Naboth's vineyard, for he is dead. So Ahab went down to the vineyard to claim it. But the Lord told Elijah to go out and meet him at the vineyard and to say to him, So you've murdered Naboth and taken his vineyard, have you? Well, where the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, dogs will lick up your blood too. Then Elijah told Ahab that the Lord would send evil on him and on his whole family and that they would all be destroyed until not one of them was left alive. And if Jezebel is wife, the Lord said, the dog shall eat her beside the well of Jezreel. None of the other kings of Israel were as bad as Ahab, for he tried very hard to disobey God in everything he did, and his wife Jezebel helped him in his sinning. He worshipped idols just like the heathen nations the Lord had driven out of Canaan. And do you remember, children, last time we said that heathen was pagan, and paganism are false idols, and God hates paganism. So the questions for this story was, who won the battle between Ahab and Benadad? Question number two, how did Benadad escape from being killed? And question number three, tell what happened to Naboth. All right, our second story is called Fire from Heaven. One day, King Josaphat of Judah went to visit King Ahab of Israel King Ahab asked him to help him fight against King Benadad again. King Josaphat told Ahab to ask God first and find out whether God wanted them to do this or not. So King Ahab summoned his 400 false prophets and asked them, shall I go to battle or not? Yes, they answered, for the Lord will be with you. But King Josaphat didn't believe these men, for he knew they were not real prophets at all, but only said whatever they thought would please King Ahab. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord around here somewhere? King Josaphat asked. Let's ask him too. There is one, Ahab answered, a man named Micah. But I hate him because he doesn't prophesy good things about me, but always something bad. Well, let's ask him anyway, King Josaphat said. So Ahab sent a messenger to bring Micah. Then the two kings put on their royal robes and each sat on a throne by the gate of Samaria. All of King Ahab's false prophets stood before them, telling them to go out to battle for they would win. Then the messenger came back bringing Micah. King Ahab asked him, shall we go out to battle or not? Sure. Micah said, go right ahead. But the king saw that Micah didn't really mean this. How many times must I tell you not to lie to me, he demanded. Then Micah answered, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills like a flock of sheep that is lost and has no shepherd. Micah meant that Ahab's army would be scattered like sheep after the battle without a leader because King Ahab would be dead. Didn't I tell you this would happen? Ahab exclaimed to Josaphat. Then Ahab told his soldiers, take Micah to prison and feed him on bread and water and treat him cruelly until I come back safely from the battle. If you come back at all, then the Lord has not spoken through me, Micah replied. But despite Micah's warning, the king of Israel and the king of Judah went out to the battle. Ahab said to Josaphat, I'll not wear my royal robes, then no one will know me, but you wear yours and let them see you are a king. 
Before the battle began, King Benadad of Syria had told his captains not to fight with anyone but Ahab. So when King Benadad's soldiers saw Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, they said, This must be King Ahab, and they surrounded him. Then Jehoshaphat yelled at them that he wasn't Ahab, and so they turned away. It was the Lord who made them do this, because King Jehoshaphat was a good man, and the Lord was protecting him. But just then an arrow hit Ahab between the pieces of armor that covered his chest. No one was aiming at him, for no one knew he was Ahab. The arrow just happened to hit him there. Turn around and get me out of here, for I am badly wounded, Ahab said to the soldier driving his chariot. Ahab sat in his chariot all day watching the battle, but that evening he died. So about the time the sun was going down, word was sent throughout the Israeli army to stop fighting and to go home, for their king was dead. So the men of Israel fled, and King Ahab was killed, as the prophet had said, because he had let Benadad get away when the Lord had told him not to. Ahab's body was taken to Samaria and burned there, and as his chariot was being washed beside a pool of water near the city, the dogs came and licked up his blood, just as Elijah had said they would. Ahab's son, Ahaziah, now became king, but he was as bad as his father. One day he fell from an upstairs room in his palace and was hurt seriously. He sent messengers to to Baal Zebub, the idol of the Philistines, to ask whether he would get well again. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go to meet King Ahaziah's messengers and ask them, Is it because there's no God in Israel that you have to go and ask Baal Zebub, the idol of the Philistines? For doing this, the Lord says the king Ahaziah shall not get well again. He will surely die. Elijah told the messengers what the Lord had said, so they returned to Ahaziah. Why have you come back so soon, he asked. A man came to meet us, they told him, and said for us to return to you and say it's better there is no God in Israel that you have come to inquire at Baal-zebub, the idol of the Philistines. Therefore, you will not get well, but will surely die. What did he look like, the king asked the messengers. He was a hairy man, they said, with a leather belt. It was Elijah, Ahaziah exclaimed. The king was angry and sent a captain of his army with 50 soldiers to capture Elijah and to bring him to the king. They found him sitting on the top of a hill, and the captain yelled at him, Hey, you prophet, the king commands you to come on down. If I'm a prophet, Elijah answered, let fire come down from heaven and burn you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and burned them up. Then Ahaziah sent another captain with 50 men, and he came to Elijah and called to him, Prophet, the king says to come right away. Elijah answered, If I'm a prophet, let fire come down from heaven and burn you and your 50 men. Then fire came down again from heaven and burned them up. Ahaziah sent a third captain with 50 men, but when he came to Elijah, he fell on his knees before him and said, O prophet, please save my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. Don't let the fire come down from heaven and burn us as it burned the two captains with their men who were here before. 
Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go with him, don't be afraid. So Elijah went with him to the king. Elijah told the king, The Lord says that because you sent messengers to your god, Baal-zebub, the idol of the Philistines, instead of sending them to me, the god of Israel, therefore you shall not get up from this bed, but shall surely die. So Ahaziah died, as Elijah said, and Jerem, his brother, became king instead. So some questions to answer now. Was Micah a good prophet or a bad prophet? Whom did he come to visit? And what did he say would happen? When King Isaiah got hurt, why was he angry with Elijah? And what happened to the soldiers who went to capture Elijah? And now our final story is a chariot ride to heaven. The day soon arrived when the Lord was ready to take Elijah up to heaven. Elijah wanted to be alone when the Lord took him. So he said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, I'll not leave you. So they went to Bethel together. The young men from the school for the prophets there came over to Elisha and asked him, do you know what the Lord will take away your master from you today? Yes, he said, I know. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here at Bethel, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, I'll not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The young men who were in the school for prophets there at Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, at Jericho, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan River. But Elisha answered, I'll not leave you. So they went on together and 50 young men from the school of the prophets followed them to watch and see what would happen. Elijah and Elisha stood at the edge of the river, and Elijah struck the water with his coat, and the river divided before them so that they went over on dry ground. When they were on the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what you want me to do for you before I'm taken away. Elisha asked to have even more of God's spirit upon him than Elijah had. You've asked a hard thing, Elijah answered, but if you see me when I'm taken from you, you shall have what you're asking for, but if not, you will not get it. As they walked along and talked together, suddenly a chariot of fire with horses of fire swept between them and snatched Elijah away from Elisha and took him up to heaven in the chariot. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot and horsemen of Israel— Elisha never saw Elijah again on earth. He picked up Elijah's coat that had fallen on the ground, and with it he struck the river, and the water divided before him as it had for Elijah, and Elisha went over on dry ground. The fifty young men from the school of the prophets who were watching from a distance came to meet him and bowed low before him. They said to Elisha, let us go and look for your master. Perhaps the Lord has taken him up on some mountain or into some valley and left him there. Don't go, Elisha said. He isn't there. But they kept telling him he should let them search until Elisha was ashamed to refuse any longer. All right, he said, go ahead, look for him. So they searched three days without success. Then they came back to Jericho and told Elisha that they couldn't find Elijah anywhere. I told you it wouldn't do any good, Elisha said. 
Then the men of Jericho came to Elisha and told him, Our city is pleasant to live in, except that the water's no good. It ruins the ground so that nothing will grow here. Bring me a water jar and put some salt in it, Elisha told them. So they brought it to him, and he went to the spring where the city got its water and threw the salt in and said, The Lord says, I've made these waters pure. They shall never again cause the people to be sick or to ruin the ground. So the water was pure from that day on. Elisha now went from Jericho to Bethel. As he was going, little children came out of the city and mocked him and yelled after him, Go away, bald head! Go away! Go away! So they made fun of him for being bald. Elisha asked the Lord to punish them for their sin. Then two bears came out of the woods and killed 42 of them. So here's our questions for this story. What did the students tell Elisha? How was Elijah taken to heaven? Why couldn't the seminary students find Elijah's body? What did Elisha do to the water of Jericho? Well, I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed learning about the prophet Elijah and that you'll tune in next week as we learn more about Elijah's successor, who had a very similar name as you've heard, the prophet Elisha. Now, a successor is another way of saying a replacement. So, kiddos, you are God's children. And one day when you really are really, are really, really, really old, God wants you to come and live with him. If this is what you want to, then tell God you're sorry for anything you may have done that he would not have you, have had you wanted you to do. Maybe you listened to the wrong friends. Perhaps you allowed peer pressure to be your decision maker. Whatever it was, simply say sorry to Jesus and really mean it, and he will accept your apology. Then simply ask God to come live in your heart. This way, he's always with you and your mistakes have been forgiven. And finally, tell God that you believe that his son Jesus died on the cross for your past, present, and future sins. Amen. And kids, that's what it means to be born again spiritually. And you may need an adult to help you with that concept, and that's okay. But just know that asking Jesus to be with you in your heart and cleansing any mistakes that you've made is something that you'll never be sorry for. And when you have the opportunity to read some more Bible stories, that Jesus shares, pick them up, and you'll never have a dull moment again. So Jesus loves you, and so do I. God bless you. Until next time.